This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha. And this is Serialholic Sisters. True crime shit. Hey girl, hi. Hola. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, hola, I'm Peggy Hill. Como estas? <laughs> What's up, girl? Oh, you know, I decided to um, sneak away and come to our mother's house to record today. <laughs> like hiding in their spare bedroom. <laughs> I am. I was just like, I just, I just did one of those, like, you kick the door in and you walk in and you're like, hey, bitch, I'm recording here. <laughs> <laughs> No, not really. <laughs> I actually called her and was like, hey, do you care if I come record at your can, house? Can, can I please come over and record? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, did, I, I didn't actually uh, kick down their door. Also, they have an ankle biter dog, so I definitely wouldn't do that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> she is an ankle biter dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, do, you got any, do you got any new news or anything? Anything um, happening? Not really basketball season started for the kids so there's lots of that but it's really it nothing nothing exciting going on this week um I have I'm two weeks into the next semester of school and I already want to rip my hair out I really hate these classes (laughs) um they are not they're not fun to me (laughs) not this (laughs) semester um they're actually uh they're accelerated classes so they're a lot harder there's like tests every single um that's that's too much that's too much yeah it's a lot but that's fine it'll it'll be fine (laughs) I always feel like uh the spring semester is so much longer than the fall semester so um yeah anyways that's about it (laughs) I believe in you you can do it (laughs) if this doesn't make me quit then I don't know what will (laughs) (laughs) all right well yeah since we covered all our boring news for the week we should get yeah. into the, get into the case we're pretty lame yeah sorry about it so it is your week it is my turn and as you know because i told you this time my case is a suggestion from our dear little brother sean Shout oh out. yeah i did know except i don't know what it is and i'm really pissed off about that so sean if you're listening um that's a big fuck you for giving it to crystal I actually talked to him yesterday and I told him, I was like, I told Sam that you recommended a case. And she's like, what the hell? <laughs> and he was like, well, I didn't figure if I gave her a suggestion, she would, she would take it. She would just be like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll do that sometime. <laughs> oh, whatever. So when I was getting off the phone, he's like, I guess I got to look for a case for her now. <laughs> yeah, you little bitch ass bitch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So he texted me a couple weeks Love ago. Love you, little brother. <laughs> so he texted me a couple weeks ago and he was like, hey, you should totally cover this guy. And um, I was like, what guy? And so <laughs> he told me, and I thought that it was really fitting since the newest Scream movie just came out. I, I keep Ooh. talking about Scream all the time. Um, are you doing it based off the guy that the movie was actually based off of? Yeah, I am. Okay. So I, I know who it is then, but that's, that's a good case. It's a good case. So I'm going to tell you all about Danny Rawling, the Gainesville Ripper. So let's get into it. All right. So I think I'm going to do, I'm like going to go into his background first and like cover his early life and then I'll get into the murders. And then at the end, I'm just going to go over like some of the similarities between the case and the movie. Which have you watched the new movie yet? I have not. I haven't either. And I really want to, I wanted I to, obviously I wanted to see it in theaters, but you know, I had COVID. I was hoping so. that, I'm pretty sure it's still in theaters, but I was hoping that, um, I know I just don't want to go now. It, it would I'll be, wait until it's available. Yeah. I don't love the theaters. It's very, it's very overpriced. And... It is overpriced. <laughs> we always just wait to rent it anyways. At yeah. Home because 
Yeah. It's, and then I have to bring my big purse to bring all my snacks and drinks because I'm not paying for their overpriced snacks and drinks. <laughs> and I'm also not a people person. So I'd rather not be sitting next to somebody that I don't know. Right. Um, so yeah. I was hoping that this would be one of those that they release early, like they, release it in theaters and then release it early on. But like, they have been, um, you like almost everything that's in theaters, they're releasing early for you to be able to rent. But the only problem is when they're releasing the early ones, the rental fee, even on like when you're renting it at home, it's like $20. Still cheaper than the movies. Right. So if you wanted it cheaper, then if you want to go back to the $5 rental or whatever, you still got to wait like an extra five months before it. Right. Right. Any lower. So it is what it is, but we'll probably still rent it for 20 bucks because that's just how we are. We're impatient. <laughs> I'm <so> impatient. <laughs> All right. So Rowling did not live a great life. He was a tortured soul since birth. And this is like, I think a prime example of like nurture versus nature when it comes to making a serial killer. So like, and I'm not making excuses for like the awful monster that he became and the terrible things they did, but I'm just right. thinking, I, I just think if maybe he grew up a little differently then things could have turned out differently, but who knows? You know, yes, I understand statistically, if you live in a rough household, then you're going to grow up to be a rough adult is usually how it is but I don't know I to me personally if you're a serial killer then it's not because and I I don't know you guys can can all disagree with me but this is exactly why I want to study the whole behavioral analysis part and the psycho part psycho part (laughs) psychology part (laughs) um they are psychos but (laughs) It made me think of Rugrats when Angelica's like, I can predict the future. I'm a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, this is, but this is why I like want to, this is exactly why I'm studying this particular field. I want to understand basically why a serial killer becomes a serial killer, not because of a rough childhood, but like they're wired that way. I, I feel like no matter what, even if you grew up in a great household, he's going to do the same thing because it's a, it's just the way he's wired. There's plenty of serial killers that grow up in a happy, great household with a great childhood. So I guess I, I just get super annoyed, I guess, when all these killers or murderers or sex offenders or anything try to blame their household or blame other people because it's absolutely, it's them. (laughs) Right. It is absolutely them. He actually does when he gets older too, tries to blame it on his father, but um, no, I'm not saying that his childhood caused him to become a serial killer. I'm just saying he never had a chance at life, which is always unfortunate, but it is. Yeah. So Daniel Harold Rowling was born May 26, 1954 in Shreveport, Louisiana to Claudia and James Rowling. He was the oldest of two boys and Claudia and James got married young. She was 19 at the time. And within two weeks of the wedding, she was pregnant with Danny. Now, this angered James because he never wanted to have children. And he made sure that his kids knew that all the time. You know what stops that, right? Okay. (laughs) Just just don't do it. Don't have children. That that actually really pisses me off because there's so many people in the world that want children and can't have them. And then there's assholes like this that just keep having them. And then then remind and Yeah. And then remind them that they're worthless to them. Right. Now, James was a grade A asshat and a terrible trash person. Like, he was awful. (laughs) He was a police officer, and he often abused his wife and children. Mm. Throughout Claudia's pregnancy with Danny, James beat her. And she left him once while she was pregnant, but unfortunately for everyone involved, she ended up going back to him. After Danny was born, James was verbally abusive to him during, like, his entire first year of his life. Like, this little newborn baby. Just talking shit to him all the time. He wasn't actually physically abusive until Danny was a whole year old. He waited till he turned one. Yeah. When Danny was a year old, he was beaten because James didn't like the way he was crawling. Oh my God. Like he was just learning how to crawl. And he was one of those like butt scooters that would like sit on their butt and like scoot themselves. And James did not like that. He's like, you're crawling wrong. What the hell? And like, just beat him for it. Because that's how you treat babies and teach them things. So... Later that year, Claudia gave birth to their second son, Kevin, and James seemed to become even more violent towards Danny after his little brother was born. When Danny was four years old, Claudia left James for about six months to get away from the abuse, 
but she didn't just leave James. She left the kids too. So she just, Oh my God. (laughs) Right. For like six whole months. So during these six months, James would continue to beat his children. And it's reported that he tied Danny and his brother up at least six times during that six months. Just like tied him up. Claudia eventually came back and she would leave James a couple times throughout Danny's childhood. And once she even took the boys with her. So that was nice of her, but she would always end up going back throughout the boy's childhood. James refused to hug him ever or show them any kind of affection because he would tell the boys that that was sissy stuff. And Mm. so you you don't hug, you don't, you don't do that. Now I'm going to give y'all a trigger warning here for animal cruelty slash death. So get ready. I know it's awful. So when Danny was five years old, James brought a puppy home that he found when he was at work one day. Oh, I knew about this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the boys are all super excited. You know, they got this new puppy. Danny ended up becoming super close to the dog. Like he felt like he finally had somebody to confide in. They just Mm -hmm. spent all their time together. And according to Danny and neighbors at the time, James would constantly beat the dog and eventually ended up beating it so bad that he killed it. And if that's not awful and sad enough, the dog actually ended up dying in Danny's arms. Yeah, I did know about that. Awful. He's a piece of garbage. By the time Danny was eight, he was suffering physical abuse from James at least once or twice a week, according to Claudia, his mother. This is something that she admitted to in court one time, like later in the future. Which as a mother. Like like, you're supposed to protect your babies and keep them safe. Like you have one job. Keep your kids safe and alive. Like, (laughs) I don't, I'll never understand it. He failed the third grade twice due to missing too many days. School counselors described Danny as, quote, suffering from an inferiority complex with aggressive tendencies and poor impulse control. It was suggested that he receive counseling regularly, but he never ended up going. They they didn't take him to counseling. Mm -hmm. When he was 10 years old, James decided it was time to teach him how to drive at 10 a little a little young but he was two whole hands right you should be able to drive when you're two hands (laughs) and you're a cop like right that's illegal no that's illegal (laughs) you know that's not allowed (laughs) that's literally not allowed (laughs) right (laughs) and by teach him how to drive i mean he slapped him across the face for not knowing how to use a clutch oh he taught him how to and it was a stick shift. It was a stick oh, shift. Honey, At no. 10 years old, you should just know how to drive a stick. Oh, no. Well, I, I'm 30. I'm almost 32 years old. <laughs> My bitch ass can't, still can't drive a stick good. <laughs> that is not how that works. That's not how that works. I think the last time I drove a stick shift was in high school. And um, I even remember it to the day. So my husband had a little stick shift s10 truck Mm, yeah and i was um you know i was on the newspaper Mm -hmm. so you know i was rory gilmore (laughs) you know i was rory gilmore no actually i was the editor of i know (laughs) like actually i was (laughs) i mean technically no i'm just kidding um because our little town like we had to you know get funding and stuff to be able to print the newspaper because we do have a like our little town has um a newspaper edition that comes out every week twice a week too you know it's the most hysterical thing to me I've when I've visited before I've like seen the newspaper and I read an article and it was like a red bird showed up (laughs) I know it is not (laughs) it's not that bad but it I mean they they report on all like it's usually stuff that's going on in the in the community like well not just usually it is yeah. it is stuff that's going on in the community like the basketball games the football games right, things right. like that you know it's a small town newspaper but at the school it was always about stuff going on at school or other when you wrote your editorial it was about something going on in the news you could write about anything you wanted it when you, we had our editor editorials and stuff but one of the things we had to do was get funding so all the local businesses that funded the newspaper like they got ads in the paper, mm-hmm. like ad space or whatever. So we had to distribute it to those two because they bought copies. Right. So I didn't have a vehicle. Oh my God. In high school. And um, my husband did. And he's like, if you're going to use my truck without me, <laughs> you're going to have to learn how to drive a stick shift. Well, we have what's called the mound here. 
Mm-hmm. And it's this giant hill. That it's goes just a big ass hill. That's <laughs> literally at all, all it is. It's this big ass hill. Um, and he's like, if you can't drive up the mound, then you can't drive a stick. I mean, it's steep as hell and a gravel road up the mound. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> which they've paved it more now, but yeah. like. <laughs> then it was gravel. Yeah. So I had to learn how to drive a stick shift truck going up the mound. And I remember one day when I was distributing newspapers, I freaked out because I killed his truck. Like, yeah, you know, you made, you made I, shifted, you shift, yeah. Yeah, I shifted too quickly on our main road, <laughs> Washington. <laughs> and there was cars coming and I was freaking out. You know how I am. I'm panicking and I'm like, oh my God, that was the last time I drove it. <laughs> yeah. It's probably it a good idea. Drove it, so it's probably safe. So this poor kid who <laughs> was like thrown in this vehicle and his dad's yeah. like, oh, you can't ship this. Fuck you. you. You don't know how to drive a clutch. What the fuck's wrong with you? Like, yeah. Awful. <laughs> I hope, I hope he killed his vehicle in the middle of oncoming traffic. <laughs> <with> me. <laughs> yeah. I thought I, that was the day I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I'd like to just let everybody know that the main road, Washington, that she's talking about, the oncoming traffic, the speed limit's like 30 on that road. It is, like, everybody's going so goes. slow. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like 16 at the time. So it's not like you're like dead on a speeding highway. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not. It was literally 30 miles an hour, and it's in the middle of a school day so, and a work day. So there's like literally there's like nobody. There's like a coming. car yeah. on the road besides you. <laughs> And the car that's on, on the road beside me. Oh, it's also a two-lane road. Right. <laughs> but four, the four car, lane. Like, yeah, two four on lane. each side. It's four lane, yeah. <laughs> two on each side. Um, so the car that's coming or whatever could literally just pass me. And any car that was coming was probably some, like, older lady that is <laughs> going 10 miles an hour rather than 30. Right. So, <laughs> I think I was safe, but I didn't feel safe. <laughs> I'm just picturing you like panic screaming in the car. I was, I was panicking. I was panicking majorly. I was like, uh, I can't do this. I can't do this ever again. <laughs> Somebody else is driving. I'll ride with them. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when Danny was 11, Claudia was committed to a hospital after slitting her wrist with a razor and then locking herself in the bathroom. Oh God. Then escalated. <laughs> it escalated so quickly. James ended up kicking the bathroom door down and then just continued to argue with her as she lay on the floor bleeding while Danny's watching all of this. So that's cool. This is around the time that to try to help cope with everything in his life, Danny started getting into drugs and alcohol about the age of 11. So oh. <laughs> yeah, at the age of 14, he had become a full-on peeping Tom. Ooh. Yeah. Danny's neighbors caught him peeping in their daughter's bathroom window on two separate occasions. He ran away from home a few times. And one time he spent the night in the woods near his home, but he ended up going back home when he got too hungry. So his father threw him in jail a few times throughout his teen years when he would like get caught drinking because he would get caught drinking a lot. I was about to say his father threw him in jail. And then I was like, oh, duh. Yeah, he was a police officer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He eventually ended up dropping out of high school and wanted to enlist in the Navy, but he failed the enlistment test and they wouldn't let him in. So he joined the Air Force Mm -hmm. instead. During his time in the Air Force, Danny did all the drugs, like all of them. He got locked up for drug possession and admitted to tripping on acid over 100 times during his time at the Air Force. Oh my God. Yeah. How did you not die? (laughs) Okay. He also did like LSD and like all kinds of drugs, not just acid. Like he did everything. He was diagnosed by a psychiatrist as having a personality disorder, and he was forced to leave under honorable discharge. So he returned back home to Shreveport and lived with his grandfather for a while, where he actually got clean and found religion at the Pentecostal church. If only he would have stayed. (laughs) Right. He, he like got baptized and everything. He became very involved in church activities. And it was here that he met Omitha Halko. And the two of them ended up getting married the next year. And then not long after that, they had a baby girl. Now, during this time, Danny was like trying to do the right thing. He was still real involved in church. He was working two jobs to support his family. And he was slowly beginning to break under all the stress. He left church, got really bad into drugs and alcohol again, and began acting so irrationally that his wife became afraid of him. He would run off sometimes for hours or sometimes for days without telling his wife where he was going or when he'd be back. 
Like, can mm-hmm. you, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bet you ain't coming back. <laughs> Try oh, to do that to me. Wait for this one. What, what is, what can, I can't imagine. So at one time he was actually returned home to his wife by police officers after he was caught peeping in a woman's window. Yeah, no, uh-uh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would say, excuse me, officer, you can take him back. <laughs> I do not want him. <laughs> I would lose my shit in front of the cops. Like, I don't even know what. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have even, I would have just calmly, I, that's when you know I'm pissed. Okay, when you're I calm, just, that's scary. <laughs> it is, because you know me, I'm usually the one that's the, the one that will flip out. Right. No, I would calmly be like, excuse me, officer, could you please take him away? (laughs) And then I would simply say, because officer, if you leave him here and he comes into this house, I will absolutely kill him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you right now, it will be your fault. That's on you. Do you want that on your conscience? (laughs) And the fact that I'm calm and calmly saying it should tell you that you should take him away. (laughs) Right. (laughs) His wife eventually ended up calling Danny's parents when he just quit going to work she was like I don't know what to do he's acting like a completely different person so James came over and like put a knife to his throat and threatened him I was about to say why the fuck did she call his okay that was I'm sure that was helpful for the whole situation you know I'm sorry bitch but you (laughs) clearly like the drama a whole new can of something (laughs) she finally ended up separating from him after four years of marriage when he threatened her with a gun and then they were divorced six months later he did not handle this divorce very well well maybe you shouldn't have threatened your wife with a gun (laughs) (laughs) and like gone around peeping in windows and just fucking leaving and doing all the drugs and just stop doing you i don't know what you're doing stop that (laughs) and this is when danny finally snaps and starts committing tons of crimes he ended up committing his first rape not long after a divorce on a woman that strongly resembled his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. He committed a series of petty crimes and thefts that eventually escalated to several armed robberies. So he robbed a couple different Winn-Dixie grocery stores and a Kroger, and he broke into several homes and stole everything from money to guns and even stole the identification. And even, <laughs> st- <laughs> even sold the identification papers of a deceased man named Michael Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. I see what you're trying to do there, sir. Uh-huh. So from the late 70s to early 90s, Danny was in and out of jail in Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, and Alabama. Listen, sir, you are traveling. <laughs> you are traveling. You are, you are traveling. No, I was trying to say you are tra- you are traveling fool is what I was trying to say. You said you are traveling and I lost it. Listen, sir, you are traveling. So thank you for breaking that down for me. Right. Like yes, he was traveling in and out of jail in all of those states. <laughs> he broke out of prison a few times and when he did happen to find a job. He was either fired or quit not long after starting. One time he worked as a waiter at a ponchos in Shreveport, which like, I miss ponchos so much. <laughs> I love ponchos cheese. <laughs> it's the best. Anyways, he was a waiter. He was a waiter at ponchos in Shreveport and he got fired after not showing up for three days straight. Like he just, he didn't show up. He didn't call nothing. <laughs> I mean, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> His boss was like, what the hell, bro? That's not how jobs work. Like, no. <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> then on November 6th, 1989, just two days after he was fired for being MIA for three days, the bodies of 55-year-old Tom Grissom, his 24-year-old daughter, Julie Grissom, and his eight-year-old grandson, Sean Grissom, were all found dead in their home. It seemed that they had been attacked by an intruder when they were like getting ready for dinner that night. They had all been stabbed to death but it was clear that Julie was the attacker's main target. Julie's body had been mutilated and was covered in bite marks. It had been cleaned with vinegar and then posed on the bed with her legs spread wide open. This crime would remain unsolved for several years until investigators noticed some similarities between these murders and some murders that later occur in Gainesville, Florida. So we'll get back to that in a little bit. Now, the following May, Danny and his father, James, got into yet another argument. It's the stupidest argument ever. Um, They were arguing over 
whether or not windows in a car should be rolled up or down when it's raining. Like what? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's kind of common sense. I think you're literally just trying to like, I, I want to argue with him right now. What should we argue about? Like, <laughs> that is the dumbest thing. That is common sense. It's raining. You have to have them up. Otherwise the inside of your car is going to get wet. I want to know who, I want to know who was arguing what though. I know. I don't know. It didn't say who was arguing with. Like, time. I'm, I'm really curious to know: was <laughs> his father the one saying it should be up, or was his father the one saying it should be down? Because right. I just, I feel like I could see either one of them being the being one that's crazy. saying it, being the one saying it should be down, just to argue with the other one. I know. That's why I was like, <laughs> I, I'm curious to know who started this. Right. So this ridiculous argument escalated and Danny pulled out a gun and shot his father once in the stomach and once in the forehead. So James, (laughs) right, over the windows in the rain. (laughs) So James did survive this, but he ended up losing an ear and an eye. So that happened. And also I would just be like, why won't you die? (laughs) Not really, but damn. Right. It's like the killer and scream. You shoot him all the time and he doesn't die. <laughs> I know. And then so, you find out that the killer is literally like a teenage boy. Why won't he die? <laughs> so after this argument that escalated so quickly, Danny fled the area because he's like, oh, they're gonna he was thinking that he'd killed his father. And he's like, they're gonna get me for this for real. So I gotta go. So he dips and eventually made his way to Florida. It was then that he began going by the name Michael Kennedy Jr the deceased man that he'd stolen the identification papers from. Right. Um, he eventually made his way to Gainesville and set up a campsite in a wooded area that was actually within two miles of all of his next crimes that he's going to commit. Like he just stayed in this one little area. I'm going to get into the murders now and they're pretty brutal. So bear with me. In the early morning hours of August 24th, 1990, Rowling used a screwdriver to break into the back door of the apartment of Sanja Larson and Christina Powell. Both of them were entering freshmen at the University of Florida. Now, he was armed at the time with an automatic pistol and a Marine Corps, a corpse, a Marine Corps <laughs> K-bar knife. <laughs> when he entered the apartment, he came across Christina sleeping on the couch downstairs. He stood over her briefly, but then went on to survey the rest of the house and to see like who all was there. That's fucking creepy as hell, by the way. You're sleeping and creepy. somebody just breaks in and stands over you. Also, I would, w- I would wake up to that. I would too. I, would I feel like I would. I'm just going to tell you. I know I, I would. That's how I woke up to <laughs> Harlow and Aiden before. Yeah. Like they were just standing there and we're like, well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say your name and wake you. I'm like, so you stare at me? Right. You can feel like, when somebody, I almost punched Tyler when he was like two years old because mm-hmm. I was asleep in my bed and I woke up because I felt like somebody was staring at me and his face was, his nose was like, yes, almost touching my nose. Aiden's like, done that. Aiden did that when he was little too. And I almost did the same thing. Aiden <laughs> did that too when he was little. Because and he was like, he's like, Well, I didn't want to scare you. And I'm like, you scared me more. Right. I felt <laughs> bad because I scared him because I opened my eyes and he's right there. So I was like jumped and screamed. And that scared him. And I was like, oh no. It was a whole thing. <laughs> I know that's that's how it was one day when I told you that I, I did exactly what mom used to do <laughs> to oh us when Aiden tried to wake me because he was like, mom, mom. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, guys, our mother is terrifying. She, she knows she's going to listen and she knows she is terrifying re- to wake up. <laughs> we would, we would bribe each other. Like all of me, um, Crystal, Michael, Sean, all of us, we would bribe each other growing up on who would go and wake her because none of us wanted to wake her. Nobody none wanted to wake us. her. It's terrifying. She like, it doesn't matter how you woke her up. If you like tried to wake her up gently, however you woke her up, she literally like would wake up like she was just drowning or something like that. I'm like it's <laughs> ridiculous. It was so dramatic yes. and terrifying. It was very. <laughs> very dramatic anytime she's like I'm gonna go wake I'm gonna go take a nap wake me up at this time we're like (laughs) we're like no and then when you wake her up here's the kicker when you wake her up she would get mad at you too (laughs) yes she would (laughs) you told me to wake you and you're pissed off at me you told me to wake you you scared the shit out of me 
and then you're still mad at me. You're mad at me for how you treated me just now. <laughs> Sorry, continue. He went upstairs where he found Sanja asleep in her bed. After taking a minute to decide, this is gross, who he wanted to have sexual relations with, Rowling decided he was going to attack Sanja. So as she was sleeping, he stabbed her in the chest. He then put duct tape over her mouth to muffle her screams. She was then repeatedly stabbed in the chest and arms as she was like trying to fight him off. And she received a pretty gnarly slash across her left thigh during the struggle. Once she was dead, Rowling crept back downstairs where Christina was still asleep. He put duct tape over her mouth and he also bound her wrists together with duct tape. He then cut off her clothing and underwear with the knife that he brought and raped her, threatening her with the knife the entire time. When he was finished with that, he forced her to lay face down on the floor beside the couch and stabbed her five times in the back, killing her. He then went back upstairs to Sanja's body and proceeded to engage in acts of necrophilia. He then mutilated the girls' bodies, cleaned them, and posed their bodies in sexually suggestive positions. So, sounds a little familiar to the Shreveport murder I was talking about with Julie. Right. The bodies were discovered after Christina's parents reported to police that their daughter wasn't answering her phone or the door when they went by her place to check on her. So that's really sad. Yeah, that is sad. I could not imagine finding my child. Ugh. The very next day, so August 25th, Rowling broke into the apartment of another college student named Krista Hoyt. Her apartment was about two miles from Sanja and Christina's house, so it was like he was literally just hanging out in the area. No fear of getting caught. Just, just staying in the area. He entered Krista's apartment by prying her sliding glass door open with a screwdriver, which is terrifying to me, by the way. And it makes me glad that I don't have a sliding glass door. Like how easily it seems to just pop it open with a screwdriver. I don't know. Makes me glad I don't have one and I will not have one moving forward. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you are listening and you have one, sorry about it. <laughs> when he got in, he searched the apartment and found that nobody was home. So instead of being like, darn, better luck next time and just leaving, he decided he's just going to hang out for a bit and wait for her to get home. So he knew he'd actually peeked through her window a few days earlier because he's a fucking creeper. And so he knew that like a young woman lived there. So he just like waited for her. Eventually, Krista came home, and when she did, Rowling, like, came up behind her and surprise attacked her by putting her in a chokehold. Again, he used duct tape and taped her mouth and hands and led her to her bedroom, where he proceeded to cut off all of her clothes with the knife, sexually assault her while threatening her with the knife the entire time. Now, after he was done with the assault, he turned Krista face down on the bed and stabbed her repeatedly in the back. Now, as if all of this wasn't bad enough, he did not stop there. It gets worse. So we know how he likes to pose as victims. Mm -hmm. uh, this time he took it even farther, which I'm like, how do you go farther than breaking into somebody's house, waiting for them to come home, attacking them, stabbing right. them to death, all that stuff. Well, after Krista was dead, he went on about cleaning and mutilating her body, but he took the mutilation even farther this time. Mm. Rolling sliced her torso open from her chest all the way down to her pubic bone. He also sliced her nipples off and left them sitting on the bed beside her body. And her body, he propped her body up on the edge of the bed. So it looked like she was sitting up on the edge of bed, but she, and she was like bent over at the waist. Like she was sitting up, but like leaning on her thighs, basically. He then took it even further and decided to decapitate Krista and placed her head on a bookshelf in the bedroom facing her body. Police ended up finding Krista's body before she was missing long enough for anyone to notice or like reporter missing because Krista actually had a job working as a records clerk at the Alachua, I think is how you say it, the Alachua County Sheriff's Department. So she worked at a sheriff's department and she was supposed to be working the midnight shift and she didn't show up. Now it was, and it was unlike, it was it's un like very her. unlike her to not show up. Like she was super responsible. She was always there. And if she was going to be late or anything, she would call in and let them know. So they're like, what, what's going on? She didn't show up. She didn't answer her phone. So they got worried and dispatched sent some nearby officers to her house to go in and check on her. Since all the murders and stuff were happening. Right. So the officers get to her house and she doesn't answer the door. And they're like, okay, well, maybe she was running late and she already like left to head to work. And they tried calling her after she left. So maybe that's why she's not answering. But then they noticed that her car was still there. So they tried the door again, no answer. They tried to open it, but it was locked. Then Elbert Hoover shows up, which is a great name, Elbert. He was the manager of the rentals in that area. And he was nearby and he heard all the banging on the door and came by to see what, like, what was happening. Right. 
So they tell them what's going on and they all decide to go around back to see if the back is unlocked. And when they're headed towards the back, Hoover's like, shit, something's not right. Because he noticed that the gate had been damaged and part of the chain link fence was lying down on the ground. So officers tell him to go back out front and like wait for them. And they keep heading towards the back. So they check the backyard. Nobody was there. And they get to the sliding glass door. They tried to open it, but it was locked from the inside. And they couldn't really like see inside because she had like those um, long bamboo shades that go almost all the way down to the ground. Well, they went almost all the way down to the ground. So one of the officers decided to get down on the ground and see if they could see anything under the bottom of it. Yeah, I know. And And there's a big bloody mess. There's a big bloody mess. So through the beam of the flashlight, they could see what appeared to be a naked body sitting on the edge of the bed and what appeared to be blood pooling around the body's feet. And then after a moment, they realized that this body was missing its head. So they're like, what the fuck? They freak out. They call for backup. Once backup arrives, they get ready to enter the house because with both of the doors being locked from the inside, they're like, this person could still be like the killer could still be in there. Right. So they get all ready. They enter the house. They slowly check the house, like go through all the rooms. Nobody was there, just them and Krista's mutilated body. So police were taking note of all the similarities between these two cases, and it was obvious that the same person committed both these crimes. At both scenes, the girl's underwear was missing from the scene. A knife with a four to six inch blade had been used on all of the victims. Also, it was clear that the victims had been bound with tape, but the tape had been removed before the bodies were found. Like it was nowhere to be found. And they think probably so that they couldn't get fingerprints off the tape. So now word is spreading all over about these college student murders. Everyone's terrified. They're freaking the fuck out. Tons of students left town and like went back home because they're like, I'm just trying to get education. I'm not trying to get killed. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, like, I think I read it was like 34,000 students like left town (laughs) and some of them never came back. They were just like, nope, I'm done with that school. (laughs) I'll just transfer. (laughs) Right. 3,400 thousand what did I say a bunch of kids left there was a lot (laughs) it was a lot of people they left so I think you said thousand and I think you meant hundred I think so too so a curfew was put into place and people were going everywhere in groups they would sleep in shifts so someone could stay up and watch the house to make sure nobody was like trying to break in and murder them all in their sleep Mm, that's nice (laughs) right so it was a terrifying time to live in Gainesville which is crazy because just not long before this Gainesville was actually considered one of the safest cities to live in at the time. That is, that is crazy. Right? So with all of the news spreading about the Gainesville Ripper and everyone being on high alert, you would think Rowling would pack up and get the hell out of Dodge, right? Yeah, no. He was like, oh, damn, everyone knows about me. And they're like, all freaked out on high alert. I should probably keep quiet for a bit so I don't get caught. So he waited two days this time before his next murder. (laughs) Two whole days. (laughs) So at approximately, ooh, that was not how you say that word. <laughs> so at approximately three, oh my God, I can't say words. <laughs> so at approximately 3 a.m. on August 27th, just two days after brutally murdering Krista, moitering, did I say moitering? Just two days after brutally murdering Krista Hoyt, Danny broke into the apartment of 23-year-old Tracy Pauls and her roommate, 23-year-old Manuel Taboda, who went by Manny. So Tracy and Manny had been friends since high school. Manny's previous roommate had just moved out and he was looking for a new roommate and Tracy needed a place to stay. So it seemed perfect, you know, and her parents were actually very excited about them living together because they had been worried each other. They knew each other for a long time. They had been worried about her living off campus by herself. They thought it seemed like super dangerous for a young woman to be living by herself. And they knew it is. (laughs) It is. And they knew Manny from when they were in high school and remember that he's like this big dude okay he was like six three over 200 pounds and he played football it's it's like that line in the first screen movie when drew barrymore like screams about her boyfriend he's big and he plays football and he'll kick the shit out of you <laughs> <laughs> so manny was big and he played football so they're like cool you can stay with him and we can like rest a little easier knowing that you're safe right unfortunately that was not the case never rolling, it never is rolling broke into the apartment through a sliding glass door again with the same screwdriver he used to break into Chris's what, place. Where's all these sliding glass doors? Right? Man? 
right? Like, stop Is that the it. only kind of doors that they have in that town? <laughs> I guess so. So he crept through the apartment until he came to Manny's bedroom where he found Manny asleep. And he was like, oh shit, it's a big dude. So he immediately mm-hmm. attacks Manny, stabbing him in the chest, which woke Manny up. And what I can only imagine is the absolute worst way to wake up ever. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Manny immediately fought back like hard. Like there was a huge struggle, but unfortunately Rowling had the knife and he ended up repeatedly stabbing Manny in the arms, hands, chest, legs, and face, killing him. Now, Tracy heard all the commotion and came into Manny's room to see what was going on. She was met by Rowling covered in Manny's blood with a big ass knife so she was like no and took off running to her bedroom <laughs> she said, <"Nope." laughs> she, said <"Nope." laughs> she noped out of there unfortunately Rowling was fast so she <laughs> ran to the bedroom and like tried to lock her door but he was like so quick on his feet and followed her so quickly that he was able to break through the door before she could completely shut it and lock it and he then grabbed Tracy taped her mouth in her hands cut off her clothes same routine he raped her while threatening her with a knife before turning her over face down on the bed and stabbing her in the back three times. He then went on to clean her body, but this time was a little different. The bodies were not posed, and investigators believe that that could be because the killer was interrupted before he could finish his whole little routine he did. So they believe this is the case because a friend of Manny's had gone to the apartment to check on him the next day after not being able to reach him, and when he got to the apartment complex, he found the door was locked. So he like had them call the maintenance man to come by with the master key. Mm-hmm. And when the maintenance man unlocked the door and opened it, they immediately saw Tracy's naked body covered in blood in the hallway. And there was a dark bag sitting on the floor near her body. The maintenance man like slammed the door shut. He's like, no, not, not, nope. Slams the door shut, relocks it. They call the police who arrived within like five minutes of all of that. They got there like super fast. As soon as they got there, the maintenance man unlocked the door again, and when he opened the door, they noticed the dark bag that had been sitting by her body was gone. gone. Yeah. So he was still in the house. He was still in the house. And Tracy's body had been placed on a towel, so they think he was getting ready to start, like, mutilating a body and all that. Mm. And got interrupted. And And dude heard the door. Yep. So now that's five college kids murdered in four days, all within a few miles radius of each other. Meanwhile, located in this radius, Rowling is camping out in the woods, just like hanging out. Which I'm so shocked that they're not like out looking in the woods. Right? Like it's, they're not looking near any, like they're all in the same area. Just kind of like. I know. That's why I'm like, clearly (laughs) he's like close. So like, why wouldn't you look in the woods? Right. So on August 28th, police began surveillance on a suspicious character. They began following 18 year old Edward Humphrey, who we know is not our man but they didn't know that at the time. Humphrey was, he was kind of a sad guy. So he was a diagnosed manic depressive with a history of staying a time or two in mental hospitals. Mm-hmm. Humphrey was known to sometimes skip taking his meds and often told people that he believed Satan was after him. He was known to be fascinated with ninjas and knives. He got into tons of fights and it's noted that he attempted suicide twice and He was once kicked out of the same apartment complex that Tracy and Manny had been murdered in because he was living there at the time and had gotten into a fight with his roommates. And so he got kicked out. So they're like, oh, he he could have known Tracy and Manny. Like, here's the link to Tracy and Manny. He was called a weirdo by many people in the area, including one of his neighbors who happened to be a police officer in Gainesville at the time. His behavior seemed to have worsened around the time of the Gainesville murders, which, I mean, makes sense. Like, it's a very stressful time for everybody. (laughs) And he began threatening to cut the throats of several local bar employees who refused him service on August 24th, the same day of the first murders, Sanja and Christina. So that's like not a good look. He's, he's no, all mad at the bar. <laughs> right. He's all mad at the bar and threatening to cut people's throats. And then these people get murdered by a knife. <laughs> by a knife. <laughs> by a knife. <laughs> He had a violent confrontation with his grandmother on August 30th and ended up getting arrested for assaulting her. Also not a good look. So he was convicted of assaulting his grandmother and sentenced to 22 months in the state mental hospital. Investigators looked into him for a while, but they were never able to find any like hard evidence linking him to any of the murders. Because he didn't do it. (laughs) Because he didn't do it. So eventually they dropped it and moved on. But that was a lot of time wasted on that, right? Yeah. 
I know. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rowling, Rowling is up to no good, as usual. He's still burglarizing homes and robbing banks and barely escaping capture. One day he was hanging out with this guy named Tony Danzi. And when I first <laughs> read it, I, yes, I thought it said Tony Danza. And I was like, what the hell? Tony Danza hung out with the Gainesville River? <laughs> but no, he didn't. It was Tony Danzi. <laughs> Whoever, I see what their parents did there. <laughs> you clever, clever people. Uh, hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anyways, <laughs> Rowling was hanging out with Tony Danzi, who happened to be, I'm going to call him Tony Danzi every time because I just love <laughs> it, who happened to be the guy that supplied Rowling with drugs. So they're walking down the street headed towards Rowling's campsite. <laughs> Tony Danza like, gave him drugs. <laughs> and Tony Danza gave the gamesman drugs. <laughs> so they're walking down the street headed towards Rowling's campsite and some police patrolling the area noticed them. And they recognize Tony Danzi as a local drug dealer. So they pull up beside them just to like to see what they're up to. And Tony Danzi's like, oh, hey guys, what's up? And Rowling is like, nope. And he runs off. <laughs> so Catch me if Catch me if <laughs> Police were like, the fuck? <laughs> and they started going after him because like, why? That's super right. suspicious, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> bro, that's suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. So they didn't catch him at all. He got away. But they did come across his campsite and actually they came across, like they found a number of things that would later link him to the Gainesville Ripper murders, right? like the screwdriver that he used to break into the houses, the gun that he always took with him and a cassette player that they didn't listen to at the time, but to me is stupid. I did remember this part of this case too, because I think is the dumbest thing. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you listen to it? Right. Why wouldn't you listen to it? So when they later listen to it, they find out that it's basically like his audio diaries that he made alluding to the crimes that he committed. Like, exactly. <laughs> but they weren't interested in that at the time because they were interested in a bag of money that was covered in pink dye. So they were like, okay, this is obviously the guy that robbed the first Union National Bank yesterday. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so they put everything that they found there in the evidence locker in case they caught him later. So they'd have shit and just forgot about it for a little bit. The next day, Rowling strolls up to Tony Danzi and Tony Danzi's like, look, I don't know what you're into, but I got a business that I'm trying to run here. So I've got an illegal business to run right, around here. Right. I'm a businessman. <laughs> and if you don't go on somewhere, I'm going to turn you in. So I'm going to turn you in. Yes. He was like, I will, I will turn you into the police if you don't get away from me because you're into some weird shit, obviously. And I don't know what it is. Rolling's like, okay, I got somewhere to be anyways. I'm going to head out. And he like dips. And so now he's like, okay, I should probably get out of town now because the, the police chased me, but I don't have a car. So what should I do? So he breaks into Christopher Osborne's apartment, another student in the area, and he stole the keys to his 1978 Buick Regal and headed towards Tampa. Which also cracks me up because, I mean, they're going to be looking for the dude's car now. Right? They, <laughs> he's going to report his car missing. He's going to report his car stolen. So like, you think that stealing a car isn't going to make the police come after you? It's Actually, you just made them come after you more. Good job. They didn't even, they weren't even coming after you before. <laughs> <laughs> but they about to. <laughs> he robbed a few houses along the way towards Tampa and left a trailer of evidence, including like hair and DNA, like just. <laughs> Which is another thing that cracks me up too about this case, because he's like, oh, I got to get away. Let me steal this vehicle that the cops are going to come try to find. But I'm also obviously going to have time to just stop at these random places on the way and steal, steal some more things. shit and just like slow sprinkle my hair down. here. <laughs> slow myself down and you know throw out my dna or whatever dumbass so he was almost caught once when he was walking out of a convenience store that he had just robbed like just walking out and the cops were there but he ran into the woods and escaped because apparently none of these police officers can like run they need to do some more cardio or something <laughs> either either they can't run or they're all afraid of the woods <laughs> He, he stole another car because that car he left behind when he ran off, you know. So he stole another car and headed towards o Ocala, I think is how you pronounce it. I have no idea. Ocala, Florida. If I'm wrong, sorry. Anyways, 
he there he attempted to rob another busy Win Dixie supermarket in the middle of the afternoon because mm. he's like really smart and don't. As he forced Randy Wilson, the store manager, to empty the safe at gunpoint, another employee happened to be returning from her lunch break. So when she gets to the entrance of the store, somebody tells her like, hey, the store's being robbed. And so she doesn't go in and she goes and calls the police. When Rowling exited the supermarket, Wilson followed him and watched exactly which way he was going and then informed the police who were already on the way there. So a high-speed chase began, and before long, Rowling had crashed the car and took off on foot. He ditched the $4,700 cash that he had just stolen along the way, and officers found him hiding behind a dumpster where he was arrested because he is a garbage person. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Meanwhile, back in Gainesville, investigators were searching their database for murders across the nation that matched those of the Gainesville Ripper's murders, and they came across the unsolved murders of the Grissom family back in Shreveport which was rolling some town. Right. Because of the similarities between the cases, investigators collected DNA from prisoners who were from Shreveport or had been in Shreveport and Rowling's DNA came up as a match. And they're like, wait a minute, we still have all of this evidence we found at his campsite. So let's look at that. So pubic hair and tools recovered from his campsite placed Rowling at the Gainesville murder scenes. It all matched up. And his DNA matched semen traces found on the victim's bodies. He was already being charged on several robberies, so investigators waited for that trial to come to an end while they built their case against him for the murders. Between September 25th and October 10th, 1991, Rowling was convicted of three Tampa burglaries and sentenced to three life sentences plus 170 years in prison. So right after that, he was indicted for the Gainesville murders, and he eventually agreed to talk about the murders, but then blamed them on an alternate personality named Gemini (laughs) it wasn't me it was Gemini it was Gemini (laughs) obviously so he claimed that his alter ego loved making people suffer and that Gemini had told each victim everything he planned to do to them while they were still alive like including the mutilations of their bodies after he killed them investigators like they're glad he's, he's confessing but at the same time they're not buying this Gemini character at all. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason they didn't believe that was because apparently they knew from their investigation that during the Gainesville murders, Roland had recently watched The Exorcist Part 3. The killer in that movie decapitated and disemboweled a woman and happened to go by the name of Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, nice try. <laughs> now, despite confessing to the murders, he was still expected to plead not guilty at the, at the trial. But he ended up shocking everyone by changing his plea at the last second to guilty on all counts. Now, the theory is that he was hoping for some kind of mercy. Yeah, I did it. They'll, they'll go easy on me. Yeah, no, they, they were like, no. So on April 20th, 1994, Danny Rowling was sentenced to death. He appealed the sentence, but that was rejected. They were like, no, sir, you, you get this. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. He had a fancy-ass last meal consisting of sweet tea, lobster tail, butterfly shrimp, a loaded baked potato, and strawberry cheesecake. That sounds so delicious. That sounds so good. (laughs) Right? On October 25th, 2006, 52-year-old Danny Rowling was executed by lethal injection. While strapped to the table, he wasted everybody's time by singing a hymn-type song that rambled on for five verses. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) There was a larger than normal number of witnesses present for his execution, including the families of all the victims, plus like 30 more people. Like it was overfull. The room was overfull. And a little bit of good came from these awful crimes. In the aftermath of the Gainesville murders, Congress passed the Cleary Act, which requires college campuses to report all crimes on or near campus, support victims of violence, and publicly outline the policies and procedures that they have put into place to improve campus safety. So the president of every college and university must sign an affidavit for all the crimes committed on campus. And this information is open to the public and the law requires all universities and colleges to submit statistics regarding crimes committed. So that came from this, so that's good. Good. So now I'm gonna really quickly just go over some of the similarities between the real life crimes of the Gainesville and that of Ghostface and Scream. Um, Kevin which Williams, is what, which is what he's based off of, because that movie is is based off of these murders. 
Right. So Kevin Williamson was, uh, he's the screenwriter for Scream. Mm-hmm. And he discussed in interviews how Danny Rowling inspired him to write the screenplay for the movie that came out six years after the Gainesville murders. So he was at home one night, he's watching TV, and this special came on, I think the show is called, it's like an ABC news program, I think it was called like Turning Point or something like that. Anyways, the special about Danny Rowling comes on. And the special freaked him out so much that he began imagining a knife-wielding killer lurking outside of his house waiting for him, which gave him the idea for the screenplay for Scream. He's admitted to taking inspiration from the real-life event for the screenplay. Like in Gainesville, Ghostface the Killer and Scream operated in a small geographical area. He focused mainly on students, although in Scream it was high school students instead of college students. Right. Um, after the initial killings in both Gainesville and Woodsboro, a curfew was put into place and students were advised to travel in groups. Yep. Also, like in the real life case, the first suspect that was arrested wasn't actually the killer. So like Edward Humphrey and Cotton Weary. In both cases, the victims were always killed with a knife. And then the, and the last little parallel that I'm going to mention is that just like the killers in Scream, in a twisted way, Rowling tried to blame his murders on recreating a scary movie. So though he didn't just come out and say it, he blamed the murders on that alter ego, Jim, Jim and I. Right. That he clearly ripped off from part three of but, The Exorcist. <laughs> but that, but that's where he got his, uh, what's your favorite scary movie? Right. And that Lady kind of mirror. Right. And that kind of mirrored how Stu and Billy, um, more Stu, planned on blaming Hollywood for the murders, saying they were going to like blame horror movies that they had seen. They were trying to copy whatever. Right. And that, my lovelies, is the case of the Gainesville Ripper. So thanks, little bro, for the recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that. No, it's, I think that's funny. Is that why, so that actually explains to me why you went and watched all of the movies too. I know. On top of, on top of uh, right before we watched the new one. So Crystal, when we had COVID and we were like at home, you know, for that week or whatever, nothing to do. Crystal watched all the screen movies except for which because that one was awful <laughs> yeah well we all knew that one was awful but she watched all the screen movies again so that it could get her prepped and ready for the new one is what I thought but it's also because this freaking case and I had scream <laughs> on the brain yeah I had scream yeah. on the brain <laughs> I actually so every Halloween season um I always every single night we watch a scary movie or something uh, something Halloween-y or whatever so I always watch the screen movies and stuff um, every year anyways. So yeah, yeah. Um, I had just watched them all, except I actually watched the fourth one too, but it is, it's awful. It's terrible. Um, that didn't need to be a thing. But all of them <laughs> were not that great though. If you really go back and watch them. They're cheesy, but I love it. It's nostalgia. They, it's nostalgia. Okay. <laughs> I love them too, because back then I remember being a little kid, you know, when they first came out, like the first one came out and it being super scary to watch yeah I think let's see it came out in I'm gonna Google it real quick I'm gonna say 96 I think it came out around then too yeah it came out December it came out December 20th 1996 okay I was was 10 at the time and I was six so (laughs) so for a scary movie to be out and I know I didn't watch it when I was six but I did watch it like a couple years later for the first time but you know when you first see a scary movie and you're little it seems scary you watch it now I'm just like what the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) so the very first time I ever watched Scream dad ruined it for me oh yes I remember literally ruined it like the first time Billy comes on the screen he goes shut up killer (laughs) I was like what bro what the hell I've never seen this and he was like oh I thought you saw it He's one of those people you just can't watch movies with. He also ruined the Sixth Sense for me. I remember that too. I was so mad. <laughs> I remember that too. Because he mentioned how Bruce Willis was a ghost. Yeah, uh, that's like the main thing. That's the main spoiler of the whole movie. Who does <laughs> <main> that? <laughs> but I can say that I'm not I'm not any better sometimes watching movies because if I've seen it before somebody else, I'm I'm awful. Uh, I I really hate watching something that my husband's already watched because he's the worst. He's just like you. He'll like the whole time you're watching, like 
start talking about what's you know, going to happen. I'm like, yes, get out of the room. And I may not tell you who the killer is or like anything like that. And I'm like, Crystal, you got to watch this part. Watch this part. <laughs> so like, she knows what's about something That's big about awful. to happen. I am. I'm he'll, bad about it. He'll literally give away a spoiler. And then I'm like, what the hell? I haven't seen it. He's like, or is that what's going to happen? I could just be trying to throw it. I'm like, shut up, go away. <laughs> this is why, this is why I always want to watch it for the first time with people that I know I'm going to watch it with later right. because I will spoil it. I know I will. Right. I'm not a good person. Well, I will absolutely not spoil anything. And that is why I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I, was to, I was about to say, we can't all be perfect like you. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so. we've been rambling on for quite some time. We should probably I know wrap so it up. I guess uh, follow us on all the stuff. Um, all you guys that listen on Spotify, you guys can rate Spotify now. So if you didn't know, do it. Know, yeah. Go on there, give us a rating. Um, yeah, you can follow. You can follow all this stuff on if you go to serialholicsisters.com. It's all on there, including oh. our latest episode. That's right. That's right. All right. And that is it. So let's be awkward. Okay. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs>